right. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, hallelujah, there are times, um, there are times when you uh, get a message and you always trust God um, that you've heard from him and that message is for that hour and for that moment. And uh, then there are times that um, you go to church and you know, you know, I preach the word and I know that God's going to do something great with it every time because it's his word, uh, the Holy Spirit gives it. But there are times when you go to church man, you just know that that word that day uh, needs to be heard and you know it's from the Lord and and um, and I will tell you this particular word we need to pray together that we hear this because um, this one there was a lot of demonic um, attacks on this message you know and I can tell when you're gathering the message sometimes when they're is demonic resistance and this message, you know, is something that God really wants spoken. And so it will be one that I, um, want to be very careful to deliver the way God wants it delivered. And so I would ask you to be careful in how you receive it. Uh, don't just receive it and say, man, um, this is for somebody else or this is, you know, he's picking on me. This is for everybody in this body, and this is for this church, and we all need to uh, pray that God would help us understand and apply everything that's in this message. Hallelujah. So if you would, join me as I pray. Um, in fact, I'm going to pray before I even read the Scripture because I, got, I want God to really anoint this Scripture in our hearts. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you help us, Lord. Lord, help us um, receive your word. And uh, Lord, help us apply it to our lives. And um, Lord, we just pray that you give us wisdom and instruction and and protection, Lord, and that you just um, minister to each heart, Lord, and help us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, today. And Lord, we pray all these things in your name and the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen, Hallelujah. Um, James 4, 6 says this. It says, God opposes the proud. Think about that. God opposes. That means he's in a conflict. Everybody see that this morning? He's in a fight. With those who are proud, he's fighting something with the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So who receives grace? Those who are humble. The proud, he has a fight. You know, he has a resistance there. Um, Let me read you another one. Proverbs 13.10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. Strife is a word uh, that means to fight. It means conflict. 
where there is fighting, where there is conflict, pride is there. Uh, let me re- let me give you another one. Proverbs sixteen thirteen. Pride goes before destruction, and a halty spirit before a fall. And so I want you to think about this. You know, every fight that we ever have, whether it's a church fight, a fight in a marriage, a fight with a friend, a fight with God. How many have ever felt God fighting with you and saying, man, I need this in your life and we're fighting it. And one thing that we can be sure of based on these scriptures is there's one sin that's always present and it's pride. And so what holds back a church more than anything Pride, I would submit to you, is the thing that holds a church back. What causes a church not to get along? What causes a church not to move forward? What causes a church not to be in unity? We know for sure one of those things is pride. It's the prime root. Um, What causes division in a marriage? What causes issues with family members? If you've ever argued with a family member, if you've ever argued with a mom, a dad, or a son, or a daughter, or a grandparent, or a friend, or a church member. You say, man, how did that happen? One thing we know for sure is pride was present. Um, if, a, if a couple is married and they're arguing, at least one had pride, and very likely both had pride. And you can find it there in every conflict, because where there is conflict, what? It's there. And so we look at the Bible and we, we begin to recognize um, that this sin, in fact, we talked last week about he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And that if you will follow him, you'll build a life around following him and his word, and you'll be a disciple and you'll discipline yourself according to the word, then you'll know the truth, he'll give the truth to you, And that truth will set you free. And I can't think of a better truth to begin with than the fact that pride is resident and we've got to discover it and figure out how it's affecting our walk with the Lord and how it's affecting our relationships and how it affects our church and our home life and our work life. And uh, Because how many understand that pride has a real good way of cloaking itself? You know, we don't even see it. We don't recognize that it. it's hidden. But let me take you back to the very beginning. And God had created an, an angel that was beautiful. In fact, the Bible says that he was created so beautifully, he began to look at himself. And this is Satan, Lucifer at the time. Just a bright, brilliant light and beautiful, uh, most beautiful creature probably God had created at that time. And he looked at himself and he saw his beauty and he began to say, I will. In fact, they're called the I wills. I will ascend to the highest cloud. I will ascend to the place where God is at. And the Bible says that the sin that was found in him, the iniquity, he was created perfect in his ways, but then iniquity was found in him and he fell from heaven. And it says the specific sin that was found in him was 
pride. And then we see the garden. Adam and Eve were put in the garden and God gave them some simple, uh, one simple thing, you know, just don't eat of this tree. And by virtue of that one sin, pride, he was able to convince Adam and Eve that they could be like God. And that same pride that he had, that's what he was able to use to get a foothold in their life to reject God. They began to fight with God. He fought with God. He fell. They began to fight because of pride. And so pride causes strife with God, number one. And so we begin to go a little bit further, Cain and Abel. We begin to see that Cain, because of pride, didn't like the fact that God would not receive his offering. And by that same sin, he murdered his brother. The first murder in the Bible. So you begin to see that pride, in fact, let me read a few more. Proverbs 16.5 Everyone who is arrogant in heart is detestable to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Well, that's tough. Everyone who's arrogant in heart, that's detestable to God. Why? Because that's where a person fights God. That's where a person begins to resist God. It actually is the root of rebellion. It's the root of every sin is pride. Pride in I will. I will, I will, mine, 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 my life is mine, self, self, self. And it's very hard to ever get away from self so you can live for God. And so God will fight that because he knows as long as pride is there, they won't even approach me or need me or want me in their life. Uh, He goes on and he says, Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for that man. First Corinthians 4, 7, for who makes you different from anyone else? What did you, what do you have that you did not receive? God's saying, what do you have that I didn't give to you? And if you did receive it, then why do you boast as if you did not receive it. When pride comes, it's pride, Proverbs eleven twelve. When pride comes, you say, okay, well, pride is what I have. When it comes, then comes disgrace. <clears throat> but with the humble, there's wisdom. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. pride goes before destruction and a halty spirit before a fall. In fact, I want you to think about that one. Right before a person is destroyed, what is the last thing that goes? Pride. And the haughty spirit, the Bible says, the proud spirit will be the last thing to leave right before the fall. So that tells us in descending order... All these other attitudes and all these other spirits 
leave and the last one that will go is what? Pride, because it is the root of all sins. It's the, how many have ever heard of a square root? It's divisible by every other sin. Every other sin did not have a place in your heart unless pride first entered. The pride to say, my life is my own, I'll do what I want with it, and nobody can tell me any different. But Jesus says, your life is not your own, it was bought with a price. And uh, we have a choice. It's either his or it's ours. And he says, I bought it with a price. And sometimes we say, it's mine. I want it for myself. How many can see that pride is really a great definition biblically is, it's just selfishness. It's just selfishness to say, me, 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 I, 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 I will, I will. And it's resisting God at the highest level. But the problem is it will hide and it'll cloak itself and we won't recognize it. So my prayer this morning is that we can recognize pride and its activity in our life because pride always brings destruction and disgrace. And so the title of the message is Destructive Pride. Destructive Pride. And we're going to try to recognize it this morning. Uh, when Jesus was coming to this to be revealed and begin his ministry, uh, his cousin John the Baptist came, and one of the messages John the Baptist had was, prepare you the way of the Lord. He said, every high mountain will be cut down, and every low valley will be lifted up. And so he's saying that some people are in this low place, and they need to be lifted up, And some people are in a high place and they need to be cut down. And here's the problem. If pride is a root sin, it's going to be present in the low spirit. And it's going to be present in the high spirit. And some people say, well, it's only the mountain that has pride and overconfidence. And they don't trust in the Lord. But the person who is lowly, you know, they are humble and they uh, don't have pride. But this message is all about understanding half of the message is for the mountain and half of the message is for the one in the lowlands. The one who is low suffers from pride and may never recognize it, but we have to this morning. And it's the hardest part because um, a lot of the spirits and a lot of the pride that they suffer with will not hear this message today. They won't want this message. They'll resist this message. They'll fight God over this message. And the second half will be harder than the first half. The first half, they won't believe it. They won't, unless God does a work and the Holy Spirit does a work in each one of us, we won't even believe it's there. We will attribute some great quality to ourselves, and we will be damaged by pride if we don't recognize it this morning. Hallelujah. Boy, this is a tough message. Hallelujah. Well, the first thing I want to address is how does pride actually get in your heart? Well, a good question. How many have ever eaten an apple and that apple had a hole in it and you knew that a worm had bored itself into that apple and you thought, man, I do not 
want to eat this apple because this app, this worm made entrance into this apple and he's invaded my beautiful apple. Can I tell you a little secret? He did not invade your apple. He was born on the blossom of that apple tree. You say, well, that don't mean anything. It means that when that blossom grew into an apple, he'd been there the whole time. He did not make a hole to get into the apple. He made a hole to get out of his home. You say, well, what does that have to do with pride? Because the Bible says with the fall of Adam and Eve, that we have sin in our heart and our heart is desperately wicked and there's nothing good inside this heart of ours. Everything good comes from God. And pride is in us. Selfishness is in us. The desire for ego, the desire to please self, the desire to satiate self, the desire to make self feel good, the desire to make self feel comfortable, the desire to make feel sorry for self, the desire for self to be placated is built inside of us. It's in us and it's trying to get out. Jesus said in the Word of God, listen to this, Mark 7.20 said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. For out of the heart, Jesus said, proceeds pride. So it's something that's in there and God has to do a work in us to begin to purge us of this. And it'll be a lifetime process of humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so we've got to recognize that it's there and you say, well, I don't have it. It makes me mad that you even say that I have it. You're full of it. That is a sign that you're full of pride. And it's a, it's a symptom that you won't ask God for help. And it's a symptom that you believe within yourself resides the help resides the salvation, resides the ability because you won't cry out to God. And that's what pride does. It resists God and it says, God, you don't have a place in me. I'm good enough. I'm My good outweighs my bad. I can do enough good to make it to heaven. And God says, I resist you. That's not God. We need God because pride proceeds out of our heart. How many have felt that? And let's just all say it this morning. We're broken people. And we hurt other people. And we hurt the people we love the most. The most. And so God wants to do a work in us. He wants to recognize who we are, what we are, who He is and what He is this morning. Hallelujah. And that's what we have to recognize through this message. We have to name pride and find it within us. So God can do a work and begin to humble us before God. Hallelujah. And boy, this is important. I can't tell you how important this message is. So I'm going to give you three pride things that we struggle with. We're on the high place. Like when our spirits are high, these are prides that we will suffer with. And you say, well, which one am I? I'm usually down or I'm usually up. We really are both. You know, we'll struggle with both sides of this. When our theology, when our learning about God is wrong, we will struggle on both sides of this. And this is not the comprehensive list 
this is just a simple list to get us started. This is a starter lesson in pride that I need to hear and you need to hear and we need to consider these things and consider God's wisdom and, and, and not believe that we know it all because it's better, there's more hope for a fool than the one who says he has the answers and doesn't listen to the counsel of God. So let me start off with a real good starting place um, for a form of pride so we can try to recognize it a little bit. Number one is all these start with self. Because as long as self is the center, that's, we have a word for that, it's called self-centered. That's the human nature, self-centered. So all these are centered on self. And unless we get the center off of self and get the center on God, we're always going to suffer from pride and always resist God. And so everything God wants to do, every good thing God wants to do through you is always going to be destroyed by self-centeredness. But every time we focus on God, He'll do something good through us and it's called His righteousness. His right behavior. Right way to do things. But as long as we're centered on self, we'll fail. Hallelujah. So what is self-exaltation? This is a pretty easy one to define, but a really hard one to find. (laughs) What did Satan say? I will, I am, I will, I am. I am as great as God. I will sit in the seat of God. I will do this, I will do that. I, 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 we become the great I am. I'm the greatest. I'm the smartest. I'm the wisest. And we may never say that, but we live that way. We live like we're smarter than God, we're wiser than God. We live like we're smarter than other people, we're wiser than other people. You say, I don't live that way. Well, wait till you give your opinion and somebody overrides it. Then the great I am is damaged. And so this is a form of pride. And it says, I am the great I am. And how many know that God identifies who He is in the Bible and guess what His name is? He said, I am the I am. Not you. James 1.16 says, Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So every good and every perfect gift. You know what every means in the Greek? Very interesting word. Every. All. Conclusively, everyone. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm nice looking. I did that. I'm smart, I did that. I earned a living because of my wisdom and my strength and my excellency and The Bible says every good thing comes from God, and we don't recognize that. And you say, well, I do. I'm thankful, and every day I'm thankful to God for everything He gives me. Really, well, how come you blame God when every bad thing happens, but you don't blame God when every good thing happens? Why doesn't the degree of your appreciation for every good thing 
match up with your degree of anger for every bad thing. And why do we blame God for every bad thing when a lot of times some of that blame could be on us? But God still gets the blame always for the bad, but very rarely for every good thing. You say, well, there's no good thing in my life. Well, maybe you need to look around a little bit at some of the struggles that a lot of people have. Mm. So why are we unthankful? Why do we not? We're like, man, what? I, don't, I just don't understand worship. And I don't understand why God wants me to, I have to go every week. And man, there's five songs. And it's so long. And I just want to, man, I, I don't understand it. You know, that's a lot of trouble to go every week. I could sit on my couch. You know, I have to go every week, sit through it. It's hard to sit through. What is this worship thing all about? In church, we should be giving God credit for every good thing. The fact that God gives good things to people that hate Him, the people that shake their fist at Him, for people that resist Him, for people who are proud and don't need Him. And it says, I still reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. I give good gifts to everybody, even the ones that hate me. And so church, I would challenge you this morning, don't be self-exalted. Don't ever say to yourself, I did that. Don't ever give credit to yourself when the credit should be God's. Some people roll their eyes and an athlete will say, I thank God that he helped me accomplish this. They roll their eyes and say, well, that's what everybody says. But you know, church, we shouldn't roll our eyes. Mm. I don't know if they're sincere or not. I can't judge them. But we should be thanking God for every good gift more than we are mad at God for every negative thing that happens in this world. Hallelujah. And if we're not, then pride is somewhere in there and that contention and that fighting and that arguing with God. Somewhere in there, pride is present and we just don't see it because we think we're good. We think we're great. And and, and here, can I give you a very troubling statement here? There's no honor or virtue in you at all. You're not that great. And here's the thing. Can I stop you here before you say I know that? Because the minute something bad happens to you, what's the first thing you're going to say? Man, I'm so good. God, don't you see what I'm doing? Other people don't worship you, but me, I worship you. Other people don't thank you, but I thank you. And God, did you not see that good thing I did? Didn't you see that good thing that I did? Haven't you seen my life? How many of us have ever been angry because something bad happened in our life and we get mad at God because, God, I've been so good to you? And how could something bad happen to me when I've been so good to you, God? How could you do that to me? God, I am so angry with you for the way you're treating me after I've been so good to you. And sometimes we forget how much bad we've all done. How rotten we are in our spirit. How, so, how many times that we've 
mistreated people, how many times we've said things we shouldn't have said, all the bad that we've ever done. Um, here's the truth. Um, if we were judged on our behavior, just listen to me very carefully. If we were judged on our behavior, our good versus our bad, we would all deserve hell. This is a biblical fact. God's very clear that all have sinned and the level of our sin is so great we deserve hell. I deserve hell. Every person in here deserves hell. And if God looked at our lives, He said there is none righteous, not one. And so He said the only hope for us, in fact, here's the thing, you're suffering from this pride if you think your behavior is the determining factor of whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. If you think I can be good enough to go to heaven, then you're suffering from this pride. Because God is very clear, you can't be good enough to go to heaven. In fact, you are going to be judged by His actions and His behavior. You are receiving a position because He died for you and He gave you a position of favor. You say, well, wait a minute. If I'm good enough, God will give me His favor. No, He'll give you His favor because you trusted in His Son because His Son died for you and because what He did, I received favor. But some of you think you're receiving favor from God because of what you do. And somewhere in there, there's pride. And so you walk around and you say, well, look at all the things that I've done. And we get more and more proud. And that's that self-exaltation. You say, well, what could be wrong with that? It makes me do good things. You're doing it with the wrong motive. You should be doing good things because of who he is. And because of what he's done. And because of the place that he put you in. Because he forgave you when you, he gave you grace and he gave you mercy when you didn't deserve it. And here's the problem with earning my favor. At some point, I'm going to lose that. There's some point it's going to swing the other direction and I'm going to have the pride that's in the valley that says I'm not good enough. And I'm going to swing back and forth. I'm going to vacillate between the two. One day I'm good enough. One day I'm not good enough. One day I'm good enough. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And some people live their Christian life because their theology is bad. They have so much pride. They think they're good enough. And they think if I do enough good things and if I'm a good person and God's saying that stinks to me. It's detestable. I died for you. I came from heaven so you could live for me. I gave you a place because of the way I behaved. Now love me. My favor is because of what I did for you. It's who I am, not who you are. I am the I am. You're not the I am. So the first form of pride is I can win the favor of God when the favor has been won for you and you have to just walk in His love and His grace and His mercy. And and boy, you will not be lifted up in pride. You'll walk into the church and you'll say, Dear God, I'm so thankful. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And and you'll walk in and you'll say, Grace is so amazing. But if you don't understand that, grace will never be amazing. You know, there's a lot of people, grace is not amazing. 
But if you understand this principle and there's no pride involved, you begin to understand that it is amazing. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. Is that not clear? I can't exalt myself. I am not the great I am. It is not me that wins the favor of God. And how many people have I seen teach that? My favor because of who I am. No, you have favor because of who he is. He wants to shed his favor on you, but you did not deserve it. You cannot earn it. And every day you're still trying to earn it. And and church, we got to get rid of that pride. We'll never worship him like he should be worshipped. We'll never love him. We'll never serve him like he should be served. If we don't understand, it is by grace that we are saved through faith so that no man may boast in his works. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's one that's very, very close to it. It's called self-promotion. So you lift yourself up, the great I am, and then the other one is self-promotion. That means instead of lifting God up, we elevate ourselves. Hallelujah. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For you will have your reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, don't sound the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Hallelujah. Listen to this. This is an illustration I found while I was studying. I love it. It says, this is a pastor. He said, 15 years ago, I taught over 100 children in vacation Bible school. On the fourth day, I shared a story that illustrated the gospel. I invited the children to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Nearly all of the children responded by raising their hands. That day, our teachers led many dozens of children in prayer to receive Christ. Afterward, about 30 adults came to me after my presentation, and they said it was amazing. I never once exalted myself, but my soul welcomed their praise. That day, I became consumed with sinful pride. Oh, we. Do you hear that? The man, he did a great thing. That is so awesome. That is so wonderful. How many understand that we live for God to receive that glory and that praise? And sometimes we live our life trying to get praise from other people. And you're going to see through a lot of these that that's where pride hides itself. Pride wants to be seen by other people, and a lot of our churches are full of people wanting to be seen by people. And so we miss our mission because we're too worried about being seen by other people. 
We're too consumed by the praise of other people. We're too consumed and we're afraid people will see our warts. We're afraid people will see our our weaknesses. We're afraid people will see where we're not who we say we are, or we're not the one that deserves all the praise. And we're how many of you know this this cripples your Christian walk when you're consumed with self promotion? And it affects our ability to minister and it affects our ability to be close to God. I'm talking about hidden pride here. I'm talking about being humble before God. And uh, I, I read a lot of stories about revival and about miracles. And, um, and it's very rare that you read a story about God doing something great in a church or a community. And you read about one of the leaders of that movement. And you hear that there's ever pride. Very, very rare, isn't it? Very rare. In fact, Moses seen more miracles than almost anybody. And you know what the Bible says about Moses? He was the most humble man on the earth. Like he was an exceptionally humble person. Um, I remember reading stories about Smith Wigglesworth. How many have ever read those stories? And you see all the healings that were through his ministry and and one day a man came to him. i never forget this story. It's one of the most impressive stories I ever heard in his ministry. And a man came in and he said, Smith Wigglesworth. He said, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And recounted some of the things he had heard about him and the greatness of Smith Wigglesworth. And I remember uh, Smith Wigglesworth just started to cry. And just just wept. And the man wondered why he was so emotional. And he said, sir, he said, my ministry is a failure. My ministry is a failure. He said, I have lifted me up. And you see me and not God. And how many know God can't do what He wants to do in your family and in our life as long as we're proud? As long as we don't have humility and we're not humble. And He just can't do in this community. He can't do it in this church He can't do things in our life because God won't share that glory. He won't puff you up. He won't destroy your life with pride. God needs that humility to do great things. We can't be self-promoted. We've got to be humble people, church. You say, well, there's a shortcut. There's a way we can get around it and God can do something great. No, if you want God to touch your family, if you want God to touch people that are hurting, if you want God to do miracles... Uh, We must be humble. It's a prerequisite. Because God won't destroy you with pride. He won't allow you to be puffed up. He'll resist it. He'll fight it. And as long as God's fighting with the church, God can't move through the church. Hallelujah. I hope everybody's hearing this. You say, well, that was a weak point. The first one was strong. But that's that's not a weak point. That is stronger than the first one. Hallelujah. Well, here's a big one. Self-justification. So not only do you want the approval and the words of men is an example that pride's present, but you want God's approval Himself. You want God to look down and say, God, look at what I've done and justify me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Then why did Christ die? 
Did Christ die in vain? Then why are we trying to justify ourselves by our behavior when Christ died for our sins, died so that we could be saved? And self-justification, if you're trying to justify yourself by the works that you do, how many know there's pride present there somewhere? We should be giving more and more glory to God and thanking God that He saved us. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many... If you walk into church, let's put it this way. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into church and raised my hands and just said, God, I'm so amazed that you saved me. How did you do that? (laughs) How did you save me? Of all the people in the world, why me? You know, and you raise your hands and you're just shocked that God gave you His grace and God saved you and you're so amazed that He covered your sins. But some people walk in and say, obviously, He saved me. Obviously, He loves me. And you know, that's the thing the Pharisees struggled with. Listen to this. Luke eighteen ten. Jesus is telling a story. He says, two men went in the temple to pray. Okay, Jesus, what are you seeing here? How many can see Jesus in the temple watching this? Two men going to the temple. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Two men walk into a temple. All right. They go in to pray. One is a Pharisee, one is a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, an extortioner, unjust, adulterers, And like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything that I get. But the tax collector stood far off and would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the man, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. Mm. You ever walk into church and say, man, I had a good week. Lord, did you see the week I had? I am deserving of worship. I'm deserving of serving you. I'm deserving of your love. I'm deserving something's wrong in the way you're believing Because we should walk in and say, God, (laughs) thank you, thank you, thank you. You saved a sinner like me. I'm so thankful. Lord, I I love you so much. Lord, I so am appreciative of your mercy and your grace and your love. I mean, grace is real. How many, that's how you feel when you walk into the house this morning. Hallelujah. God, what you did for me, what can I do for you? (laughs) Hallelujah. You saved me. How did you do it? Amen. Church, we can't have pride mixed with our worship. We can't have pride in us. That's justifying ourselves based on who we are and not based on who He is. Hallelujah. I hope this makes sense. Now this is where it gets hard. Those are the people that are up here and believe that God, this is the high spirit pride. Now we got to get to the lowly ones, the three ones that are really difficult. Hmm. Number one, self-destruction. 
self-destruction. I want you to hear this very clearly. Pride goes before destruction. That means up to the point that a person is completely destroyed and ruined, pride is still present. You say, well, man, I don't know. That person's destroying themselves. Everybody go. How many have ever seen everybody wants to help that loves that person? They're in a destructive cycle. They're destroying their life. They're destroying their self. In fact, the Bible says the halty spirit is the last thing that goes before the fall. So what do I know about a person that is swirling in self-destruction? Pride is present. You said, Chad, don't preach this. They're hurt enough already. They're already down. They're already depressed. They already are beating themselves up. They're already upset. You know, just don't preach this message about their pride. But can I tell you something? That is a self-centered life. Some of the most self-centered behavior I've ever seen, and I'm going to be very careful how I say this, is suicide. I've had several in my family, close people in my family, people that I spend Christmas and Thanksgiving with and those kinds of things, and, and I've seen it in front of their own kids. I've seen it in front of family members. Personally. And yeah, I know that there's pain, there's suffering, there's difficulty, but can I tell you, there's a level of self-centeredness there that says, I completely do not care about anybody else around me. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care how difficult it is for other people. How many know that is swirling down in self-centeredness? That's the very end. The last thing that goes, the Bible says, is pride. And I've got to say this. Why does a person who is destroying themselves refuse help? God sends one person after another and they say, no, 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 no. Eddie mentioned the guy that was laying by the water looking for a healing. And Jesus came and said... Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Boy, that's a great question. Obviously, he wants to be healed. He's been sitting there for years, right? No, Jesus wanted to hear him say, yes, I want to be healed. Can I tell you something? The reason I know pride is present is because everybody that loves that person and cares for that person are constantly trying to bring help. How many have seen this? Constantly saying, I'll help you, I'll pull you out of this. And constantly, if you're destroying yourself, it's self-centered. And God is saying the one thing that is the root of all of that is your pride. You refuse help from God, you refuse help from people that love you. And God is saying, repent of that pride, you're a self-centered person. Boy, is that hard preaching? That's hard preaching. Because how do we get out of self-centeredness? We focus on God. And guys, I've got to preach this. Self-destructiveness, the root of that is pride. 
and selfishness. I will, I will do it my way. I will refuse help from God. I will refuse help from people. And church, we need to be praying for God to break that spirit of pride. Because the last thing that will go out of that person, anybody who goes to hell even, what is the last thing that will go before they're destroyed in hell? Pride. The pride that I am rejecting God because I will, I will, I will. How many know that what I'm saying is true? Church, we got to pray against pride. It's present. Anytime there's conflict with God, one thing we know for sure is pride is present. And I've never, you say, well, you've known this your whole life. I didn't know this till last night. God showed me that the last thing that goes is pride, and, and, and that's why I'm preaching this message. Pride is present, and if we don't start recognizing and praying against that, we're never going to break the power of pride. Hallelujah. It's the root of all sins, is that selfishness. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Self-destruction is the first one. Well, the next one is, this is all the valley. This is pride in the valley. Like when I'm down, here is where pride is affecting me when I'm down. Self-pity. Pity me. Pity me. How many have ever heard, what do you get when you play a country music song backwards? You get your wife back. You get your truck back. You get your dog back. Hallelujah. Nobody's ever backmasked the country music song. You can, you can guarantee if self is involved that pride is present. And if there's a conflict, pride is present. Can I tell you the stubbornness that goes along with self-pity? The root of it is pride. The same stubbornness the children of Israel struggled with was pride. They pitied themselves. How many have ever heard of somebody inviting people to a pity party? In church, we've got to break that cycle of pity. Feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. Guess what you'll be doing the rest of your life? Giving in to that pride because sometimes pride is more comfortable than, than receiving the healing that God wants for you. Pride is the root sin that causes a person to live in self-pity. Church, this is hard. I know it's hard. I was coming to church saying, God, help me preach this. But pride and self-centeredness is the root of that pity party. You say, well, I just want people to come cheer me up and make me not depressed. No, what you want people to do is tell you how great you are. You want to hear them say it again. You want them to hear them say, no, you're a great person. You're a great person. Church, I already told you, we're not that great. Every good thing that we'll ever do in this life is from God. God allows me to be kind. God allows me to be loving. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm doing that on my own. Well, let's pretend for a second you're Job. And God says the only reason that he loves you is because you give him good things, you give him good health, he has a good family and has lots of money, and they take it away. Let's see how nice you are now. 
No, I would still be nice. Okay, you have 10 kids and you lose all 10 of them. Okay, you have money, you lose all your money. Okay, you have health and now your health is gone and you're miserable and you're laying on an ash pile and your wife is cursing you and your wife is telling you have bad breath and you've lost everything and you're telling me you're still going to be nice? You were nice because of the goodness of God that you never thanked Him for. And when the goodness runs out, guess what runs out? Your niceness. I'm nice on a sunny day. Well, who gave you the sunny day? I'm nice when I have a good meal. Well, who gave you the good meal? I'm nice when my health is good. Well, hey, who gave you the good health? You understand that every good gift comes from God, church. And so we can't live in self-pity. We've got to break that cycle of pride because it is the root of rebellion. It's the root of stubbornness. It's the root of bitterness. It's the root of all these things. Pride is at the center of it. Saying, I, 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 me, me, me. It's about me. And God's saying, no, it's not about you. Be like me. It was never about Jesus. Never about himself. Jesus never had those pity parties. Jesus said, and you know what you're not doing when there's self-pity and self-destruction? Thinking about anybody else. Church, this is the truth. I'm, I'm just being... Honest because I love you. We've got to recognize what it is, okay? The last one. <clears throat> Self-condemnation. Mm. So yesterday, I was good. Yesterday, I was deserving of his favor. Yesterday, I was on the mountaintop. But today, I'm condemned. Today I'm not good enough. Today I'm bad. Today I'm less than. And guess what your focus is still on? You. And you know what the center of all that self-confidence? Well, Chad, they're down. They're depressed. They're not good enough. The center of all of it is pride. I didn't perform well enough to have his favor today. And so it's still about me. And God's saying it never was about you. It never was about your actions. It never was about your behaviors. It was always about my sacrifice, what I did for you, my grace, my mercy. It's not about you. And if you're still condemning yourself, pride is the source of that. I can tell you from the Word of God, pride is the source of that. And we've got to line back up and get our eyes back on Him. He was always the reason. Well, you're saved. He's always the reason for your favor and your mercy and your grace. And church, I know this is a hard message. How many in here, this was not a hard message for you? Everybody should say, man, these things are me. It applies to all of us, church. You say, it doesn't apply to me. Well, you need to find a place at the altar then. Because there's so much pride there that you won't be able to function. You won't survive what's ahead of you if we have pride. We understand it's all about him and what he did for us. Our place in heaven is there because he died for us. And church, if the enemy can get a little bit of pride, hmm, he'll say, feel sorry for yourself. He'll say, condemn yourself. How many have ever felt the enemy? You've got it worse than anybody. You've got it harder than anybody. Nobody has it like you. 
And that pride kicks in. Yeah, nobody has it like me. I deserve this. I deserve to be down. I deserve to be beaten up. I deserve. And then Satan gets the foothold with the square root of rebellion, all that stuff, self. And God is saying, let me help you purge that. I don't want you to live with self, pleasing self, always placating self, always benefiting self, always focused on self. How many would rather be focused on God Saying, God, what do you have for my life? God, what have you done for me? God, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Church, can we just worship God this morning before we leave? I don't even know what time it is. Oh, hallelujah, 11.48. Praise the Lord. Worship team, come on up. Oh, wow. Hmm. Man, I don't even know how to close this one. I know how I'll close it. I want to read two scriptures. And I want us all just to examine our hearts here, okay? 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11. Peter says, all of you, let me know who's writing this. The least humble person, <laughs> at one point in his life, maybe the least humble person ever. Now this is, Peter at the end of his life and he's so humble and he's probably likely history says about to watch his wife be martyred and and they're celebrating together that they get to be martyred for Christ and you know they're triumphant and they're martyrdom and he says all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. How many know pride will destroy and devour? It's, It's just open game for the enemy here. It says, resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steady. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And one other one. 2 Corinthians 7.14 If my people... Are we as people this morning who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their I will heal their land. How many want God to heal this land? means that all of us together need to humble ourselves. And we need to say, God, it was never about me. It's about you. And, and, and we just need to thank him and love him this morning. Can we do that? Not about us this morning. It's about loving and thanking him because we're on our way to heaven for what reason? 
because of him. He loved us. He died for us. He gave his life for us. He forgave our sins. He made us right with God. And it's not about what you did, about what he did. And let's thank him this morning. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's find a place to pray and just humble ourselves and and just be thankful we're in this house today and that we're able to tell him thank you and we're able to humble ourselves and before God. Hallelujah. Let's do it this morning. I know it's a hard word and it's difficult topics, but how many have ever heard of uh, something called rock bottom? And uh, I can't tell you how important rock bottom is to every person. You say, well, that's just for addiction. No, it's every person. You've got to come to the end of yourself. Everybody understand? end of yourself where you say I just don't have the answer I thought I did I thought this would solve it I thought that would solve it I thought this would fix it I thought that would fix it sometimes you just gotta let self crash and say help me Lord help me Lord I need your help I don't have the answer anymore and in church I've seen too many people spiral into self-destruction and that's why I had this message not but I mean I'm not hard-hearted I'm not trying to be upset with people I'm trying to tell you there are people that are spiraling in condemnation self-pity self-destruction there are others pride is affecting them a whole different way but especially those who are broken spiraling and no matter how many people come to help they just can't receive it and I believe at the center of that foothold the enemy has is pride the unwillingness to say God help me I need you Lord I need you Lord and wake up the next morning and guess what the statement should be You helped me yesterday, I'm good now. (laughs) No, the statement should be, I need to do more today than I did yesterday. Help me, Lord, I'll receive it. And then we can start to climb out of the spiral. But until we hit rock bottom and we get to the end of self, we'll never turn to God. And we have a country right now that refuses to turn to God. They're fighting God. And when there is fighting, what is present? Pride. And how can we pray against it if we don't know it's there? Church, we got to start praying against that. It's the thing that's resisting. When you try to help and they don't want that help, they don't even know it's there. But there's pride there. And that's got to be broken. And only God can do that. Only God can shatter that pride. And when the pride's gone, the resistance is gone. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want to see people destroyed. 
want to see them healed. We want them to receive help and recovery and, and uh, God's grace. It says God opposes the proud, but what does he do for the humble? He gives them grace. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, we love your truth because it truly sets us free, Lord. Lord, let truth find a place today in our hearts. Let us build our lives around it, Lord God, and uh, let us walk free, Lord God. Lord, from the oppression of the enemy, from the uh, pain of the enemy, from the destruction of pride, Lord God, help us. Lord, pour out your grace upon us, Lord. Upon the city, Lord, do mighty things, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen.